Welcome to the Swaflex Podcast. My name is Brandon Leday. I'm Brittany Lombas. I'm James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And we are recording in my living room in 7th Ward, New Orleans. This is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swampflix. Spooky edition. <laughs> Wait, that was a horse. <laughs> oh, sleepy oh, hollow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, a, night- there go. a nightmare, if you will. Uh, I did put out a list of like Halloween recommendations the other day, like stuff you can stream right now. Uh, one for every day in October. Mm. That's something worth clicking on, right? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> All list. All the Scream movies are on there. Yeah. yeah, which I liked. Well, because we were talking about on that episode, like how that would be a good Halloween season run through, because they're mm. all about the movie tropes and like kind of like name checking yeah. a bunch of like honestly better horror movies. <laughs> the later you get into the sequels, but. Yeah, I, I thought we we've talked about a lot of great horror movies of the, over the last year. So like it's not like this season is that different than normal. Yeah. But I am making y'all only talk about horror for a month. <laughs> this is like my happy place. We ain't mad at it. Yeah, good. So, good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you're not mad at me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all seething, Brandon. I guess we should start today with a movie that I know we've all seen. Um Hannah and James came over the other day to watch The Peanut Butter Solution. That's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, kinder trauma, I believe, is the subgenre, which just traumatizes children. Yeah. Kinder trauma? Yeah. Yeah. We watched a little bit of that uh, last time, too. I feel like that beautiful fairy tale movie. Oh, Love yeah. Yeah. The Singing Ringing Tree. Yeah, Singing Ringing Tree. Yeah. Singing, ringing tree. yeah. I've watched that like a very long time ago, I just remember this like nasty, nasty, like little kid just slathering peanut butter on his head. (laughs) Oh yeah. And just, it looks so sticky and disgusting. You could smell it. It's a magical mixture of peanut butter and dead flies and like dirt from the garden. So gross. uh, It's a recipe he gets from ghosts. Uh, (laughs) After being scared bald, uh, ghosts visit him in his house and teach him how to uh, bring his hair back with this peanut butter solution. That he rubs on his head and it works too well, and his hair just will not stop growing. And it, and his friend puts it on his pubes. <laughs> yes, which... he sure does. <laughs> Gross. And the movie does not want to deal with the implications of that. Like, there's like a one-off gag where the friend grows pubes out of the uh, pants leg. Yeah. But the movie kind of just drops it because yeah. they cannot deal with the implications. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just in case you have any doubt that this is a Canadian film. Uh... <laughs> The first two Celine Dion songs in the, in the English language are on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, like, very dinky Casio tone Which style. ones? I don't know what they're called. One's called like Mr. Magic Man. They're like that generic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I found that movie like horrifying. It, it just slowly, we didn't know what we were watching getting into it and just slowly just got weirder and weirder mm-hmm. like nightmare logic. Yeah. Oh, especially, yeah, towards the end it goes really off mm-hmm. the rails into like child labor yeah. and it's very dark it's got some five thousand fingers of dr t for sure oh, yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah also the pit and like troll 2 like that style <laughs> yeah. of like this feels like it's for children but not good for children right they will be terrified <laughs> i do have a canadian co-worker and i asked them if they had seen it and they were like no i haven't seen it and then they looked it up and they're like wait Yes, I have. So I think that they <laughs> blocked it out of their mind completely. I like to imagine that that's sort of like the Canadian version of, I guess, like Willy Wonka. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, there's this movie 
I, I tried looking it up for years. We watched it in PE in like first <laughs> grade. Hmm. And it stuck with me all these years. Like this alien comes down and he befriends this boy. And it's definitely in the same vein as the peanut butter solution. Like it's not the purple people eater. No, it's not the purple it's people. It's not eater. Mac and me. It's in that same wheelhouse. And okay. like, but I have like memories of it. And I remember it being like pretty freaky for a kid. And I like have never been able to find we it. We gotta find this. But yeah. I ima- but I imagine it's similar to people in Canada with this. Like they probably have some vague memory of being horrified by this movie well it reached britney in america as well i'm assuming you saw it as a child right yeah it was like a oh really oh like a rental it was like our video rental place <laughs> oh Bayou. wow yeah their weird nightmare shit just leaked out and started infecting <laughs> the rest of the world <laughs> i would love to do an episode of that just kind of like half remembered stuff that freaked us out as a kid because mm. yeah. like Mm-hmm. I don't know. Willy Wonka is a good example, and um, Wizard of Oz. Like, yeah, totally. Those movies yeah. freaked everyone out, but they're like so omnipresent in the culture that you've mm-hmm. had time to deal with it and like get used to it to the point where it becomes familiar. Yeah. yeah. But if you watch like the back half of the Peanut Butter Solution on TV as an eight year old and you have nightmares about it, you're not processing that. It just kind of lives with you. You know, right. you like kind of just half remember it. And you're like that freaked me out, but I don't know what to do with it. Well, with a lot of the <laughs> stuff like. That we were shown like PE, for instance, it was like a made-for-TV thing, or he got like a cassette from, and it might not like exist anymore. In the, it's mm. gone from the culture at large. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like, but that memory is still there. Our current movie of the month is also like that. It's called Step Monster, and it's about this yeah. little kid whose dad, Alan Thick, marries a uh, troglodyte goblin creature that like starts eating joggers and like so other people in the neighborhood. That movie is 100% like with me what we just talked about like the minute I started watching it and like Alan Thicke was on there I was like I swear to you I remember like Alan Thicke was in a fucking stupid movie in a good way because I love that movie because I remember I was talking with someone I'm like do you remember that Alan Thicke was like in a movie with like a kid and he was a dad and nobody knew what I was talking about and then the movie started playing and I was like this is that movie this is it (laughs) this is it it was just like it lived in my memories and then they got unleashed yeah trapped pandora's yeah. box exactly well what else have y'all been watching since last time we talked i watched this movie called uh california with a k okay <laughs> it, it's like one of brad pitt's like earlier films oh. like it oh was... i love early brad pitt early pitt what a hunk you would actually like this movie it reminded me a lot of um it was like a, a little bit of like natural born killers mixed mm. with that movie we watched with richard gear breathless. Oh, breathless yeah yeah um so brad pitt and juliette lewis are this couple and he like brad pitt in this movie looks older than brad pitt today and he has a chip tooth and he's a serial killer amazing (laughs) and he he's like um got this like southern like real big southern accent (laughs) serial killer and um juliette lewis is like this younger girl that he's like you know romantically involved with and then they're hitchhiking and there's a uh, dave uh jacovy david duchovny david yeah jacovny yeah so he is like a like a grad student mm-hmm. and i can't remember the actress that plays his girlfriend but they're like they're doing like this whole grad student like thesis whatever project on serial killers and they're 
uh, driving cross country and they pick up hitchhikers, which ends up, you know, it's actually real serial killers. And like Brad Pitt is terrifying in this movie. Like he'll just like kill people for no reason. And he does it in like the most like bizarre way ever. It was grimy and dusty and hot. (laughs) And I thought it was good. I liked it a lot. It, It kind of picks up really i would say like once you i mean a lot of movies pick up like kind of mid-movie but this one really really picks up because at first i'm like wait is he killing people and is he killing people because like he's part of some like mafia or like drug underground drug thing or something like that like i thought he was killing for like a reason and then i started to realize oh he's just fucking killing people Mm. for no reason whatsoever which is terrifying and then it sort of like turns into like more of a thriller as you keep pushing forward with it. Um, yeah. I liked it a lot. California with a K. Sounds, sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds really good. Out. Yeah. You know, we were talking about like old, or not old, but like like our modern like elder heartthrobs recently. And like me and James were talking about like Brad Pitt and George Clooney. And I yeah. feel like Brad Pitt really, I mean, I feel like 70% of movies, he's just like a hot hunk but i feel like he really allows himself to be strange when yeah. it calls for it like yeah you know 12 monkeys and i don't know i really appreciate his willingness to like make himself strange and kind of off-putting yeah and that this is exactly it sounds like it's exactly Ooh, he's in disgusting in yeah. this movie. Well, i think early because wouldn't this be right around the same time as thelma and louise yeah like, it was a few years after yeah because i feel like Early in his career, he was like playing dirt bags yeah. a lot before he became the full on. I guess it's like, like interview with the, the yeah, Legend of the Fall and interview with the vampire. Where yeah. he became like kind of more of a heartthrob. He uses his money for good projects too. Like he produces movies. Uh, I think his label's like Plan B or something like that. I think he's a good dude. <laughs> he's, got, he's got good taste. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, like he puts his money like into smarter projects than he's allowed to be in. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. this was a uh, 1993 to be exact. Mm, that's so really cool. Yeah. Plan Brad. It's good. <laughs> I wonder if that is what that is. I never thought of that. My plan is to make cool movies. Yeah. <laughs> but that sounds real. I don't know. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. So uh, what have you been watching, Hannah? Um, so I f- forgot that we were going to talk about some horror films. So I have two films. I'm d- going to talk about one super briefly because I feel like it's probably pretty well known. But this is the horror pick that I watched last night. Um, Eyes Without a Face. Uh, directed by George Franju in 1960. Just gorgeous, black and white, haunting film about a surgeon whose daughter loses her face in a horrible accident that is kind of caused by him. And then he's like kidnapping chicks and uh, taking their faces off. And um, just some really beautiful shots of this young girl with this sweet hair and this like absolutely ghostly mask in these like really beautiful kind of ampere billowing dresses like just kind of waltzing around her house to this like weird music box music um so that's my horror like if you haven't seen it go see it it's one of my favorite horror movies yeah that's yeah, great i love I that movie it. and it's my favorite billy idol song same yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although we were just singing flesh for fantasy before we started recording Let's keep it yeah cool. yeah um, <laughs> also a good one yes so I just think like the image of her is so haunting. Yes. 
it almost reminds me a little bit of like the blood and black lace killer just yeah. this mm. faceless being yeah your features it's, are kind of erased yeah it's yeah. a little terrifying yeah um but yeah yeah it's and inspired i i love like kind of pygmalion surgeon movies in general and like you know i mean even though the skin i live in is not my favorite almodovar movie like mm-hmm. that's very cool there's mm-hmm. a japanese film about a guy that gets a face transplanted even like boxing helena's yeah works in a similar kind of arena so i you know i just like those kinds of movies and then my in-depth recommendation i recently me and james recently watched desert hearts from 1985 which is about a woman who is a an english professor at columbia university she wants to get a divorce from her husband so she goes to um nevada to establish residency in reno which takes like six weeks so she can get a quick divorce um she stays at this ranch where like all these women are kind of they're waiting there for similar purposes like they want to get a divorce and they so they stay the six weeks at this ranch and she kind of starts this flirtatious relationship with the daughter of the ranch the not biological daughter but like kind of it's a complicated thing but (laughs) daughter-ish figure of this woman who owns the ranch (laughs) and it's just like oh my god like these like hot erotic scenes between these two leading women like just pure like queer passion it's set in 1965 so there it's still like kind of has to go unspoken in reno um but it, it was like a really beautiful melodrama um these like very pastoral kind of like beautiful washed images of the desert um i don't know if that sentence made any sense but it's a great movie so i recommend uh watching it and you know they're wearing like cowboy boots yeah i don't know and like the bolo ties yeah that was a big look in the 80s yeah 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 like some big collared shirts with like dice on it and like that kind of oh it's it's like Ooh, it's just gorgeous to look at. Um, so those are both on the Criterion channel, if you're interested. Um, so, James, nice. what have you been watching? Uh, well, I watched it with you on Friday night. <laughs> we, we went to go see Smile. Ooh, I, won't, yeah. I won't spoil Ooh. it too much, but I thought it was really good. Like, throwback to kind of like, like the ring. And I like these stories of like the curse that gets passed on to a person yeah. and they're trying to escape I saw it. that like from marketing the movie like people have been like in sports crowds doing the smile yes. face oh, God. which is awesome horrifying yeah it, I love that kind of stuff yeah I thought it was like the thing that really was exceptional to me was like I feel like a lot of movies have been getting away from jump scares really are used them very sparingly and this one had like five <laughs> really Ooh, solid yeah. jump scares that and I get like mad at jump scares. Like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I just audibly like, fuck you. Like, fuck this. Movie. Like, um, I, I guess I know what your fight or flight response is. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Go to fight. Yeah. <laughs> James ran down to punch the movie screen. <laughs> right. So it, it, that felt like a very nice like throwback. And then the sound design too, like the way it like builds the tension, I guess because we saw it in Dolby. So it was like okay. really loud mm-hmm. and like you could feel it in your Ooh. seat. Yeah, I, I won't give any yeah. specifics, but it's a really good ride. 
that Dolby theater has those reclining chairs too, like the big cushy ones. And I was just absolutely like horizontal <laughs> in the seat, like fu- fully like ears plugged, fingers caged over my eyes so I could just barely see everything. Get as far away as you can. Yeah, exactly. I was like protecting myself in a huddle of flesh. And it was nice to, <laughs> to see it Sounds on metal. a yeah. Friday opening night in a theater full of people that were also like, yelling at the screen first weekend horror audiences are fired up fired up. the rules are just different yeah (laughs) i don't know some like i usually like to go to the movies and just kind of sit peacefully and quiet but for something like this it was like a hoot to see with a crowd it's like going on like a roller coaster ride a little bit yeah Yeah, you don't want to ride a roller coaster by yourself exactly i do have one small chip on my shoulder about that movie sure i haven't seen it yet it's just like Everyone made fun of that like Snapchat filter smile thing in Truth or Dare, the Bloomhouse movie a few I years ago. That. But now it's like cool to do it in this other movie. I don't get it. Yeah. Every- everyone's like on t- into it now, but like when someone else tried it a few years ago, it was like, I mean, corny. I think you're like, I cool. love Truth or Dare. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I fully have no idea what you're talking about, but That's I will. That's the problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> the problem with this nation. <laughs> no one respects Truth or Dare. But it, it's very clever, though, because it's such a creepy image and it's like low a low budget yeah oh yeah literally just like a little a filter can do that now like you could do that on your phone right like and i'm sure they have like some smile branded filter yeah you you know yeah yeah Yeah, something just very menacing about a teeth bared smile yeah it's like it's like uh, like instinctually frightening to have that many the longer they hold it the creepier yeah yeah Yeah. so i don't know it's a really good like i'm gonna see it yeah i'm gonna see it um, as far as like a non-horror thing I watched recently, this movie from 1960 called Intimidation. It's a Japanese thriller directed by Koryoshi Kurahara. Um, I've seen three of his movies now just cause like this one left such a huge impression on me, but like, you know, it's a thriller where this bank manager is blackmailed because they find out that he's been cooking the books so they're basically like hey you have to rob your own bank for three hundred thousand yen and he has this like underling who's like kind of timid and he like walks all over him he kind of manipulates him to help him in this heist but what blew me away about this movie is like we talk a lot on this podcast about like runtime like I think mm-hmm. we all kind of like stuff that's in the like hour, 20 minute range, you know, depending on the type of movie. But yeah. for a thriller, yeah. horror. Efficiency. Efficiency is key. Um, this movie is an hour and five minutes. Whoa. Beautiful. That's it. <laughs> hour five. And I'm telling you, like, I really want everyone to see it because okay. they pack in like a novel's worth of, it's not a simple plot. It's really not. It's got like multiple layers of, characters and relationships and you know people's wives and girlfriends are involved and this plot involves like mafia people and the dynamic between the manager and his underling so it's like a complicated plot that is told in the most efficient way and it's like astounding that he pulled this off in an hour Mm -hmm. and it's really tense and it like the film breathes like there's a the actual high scene where the tension is like the underling kind of knows that it's the manager robbing him, but he can only see his eyes, you know, through the mask or bandana and like close up shots of the 
sweat dripping on their brows. Oh, love it. And like beautiful black and white cinematography and dolly shot and like just amazing that he packed in this intricate of a plot in an hour. It, it just really blew me away. So if you're into like efficient storytelling, check out Intimidation from 1960. It's on the Criterion channel. I feel like noir is good at that. Like yeah. in general, like old school noirs are like an hour, an hour and 20 minutes usually. And they were like relatively cheap productions, but like high style. And like you said, high efficiency, just like knocking it out. Yeah. And I've seen a few, again, on the Criterion that like hour, 10 minute, hour 15. But man, this one clocks in right at like at an hour. And it's pretty astounding. Nice. Yeah. Definitely check it out. A lot of Criterion hits. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, the last movie I want to talk about is not in Criterion. Oh no! But we did watch it together the other day. <gasps> Monkey Bone. Monkey, Monkey Bone. Bone. Two thousand and one. I couldn't remember why Monkey Bone came up, but as we were watching, I'm like, oh yeah, the director Henry Selick, his first movie since Coraline is coming out mm-hmm. in this month. Um, called Wendell and Wild, and it's like the reunion of Key and Peele. Yeah, it's another stop motion movie yeah. from him. I've never mm-hmm. seen like the poster of yeah. it. I think also we were talking about the whale. Yeah. Briefly. Mm. And so those two things together coalesced <laughs> into Monkey Bone. Ooh. So Henry Selleck got famous um, with Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, this is his like live action Roger Rabbit style like mixture of animation and like human actors. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the imagery from his like horror stop motion stuff is realized with like puppets and like 3D sculptures in this. Yeah. This is Brendan Fraser in his prime, so pre-comeback Fraser, goofing it up the way that he did a lot in the early 2000s, and he gets stuck in this like coma world full of like all these like nightmare images from Henry Selick's like brain. Yeah, it's a lot. It's very goofy. <laughs> uh, Fraser plays this cartoonist who has this sidekick character, the titular Monkey Bone, who is so deeply annoying <laughs> that like I thought I was gonna hate the movie about ten minutes into it, but. It just got weirder and weirder. We didn't know where it was going. I thought the director and Brendan Fraser would be like what I wanted to talk about with this. No. Mm-hmm. It's Chris Kattan <laughs> yep. who shows up about an hour into the movie. Um, Brendan Fraser, through some sort of like cosmic circumstances, gets into the body of a dead gymnast played by Chris Kattan, whose neck was broken in an accident. And the physical acting of this zombie character running around with his neck just loosely (laughs) rolling his head behind his body because he's like moving too fast to hold it upright had me laughing to the point where i felt like i was gonna throw up like i was crying (laughs) laughing and like physically ill from the exertion we were just howling oh it was so funny (laughs) and then the gag just escalates to the point where he's hanging over the city on a giant monkey bone like hot air balloon and organs are falling out of his body While Bob Odenkirk playing a surgeon is trying to catch them right. before people use them as footballs <laughs> right. and like yeah, burgers. He's doing, yeah, Bob Odenkirk is doing like lineman tackles yes. to get these, like his liver. I don't know that I've ever turned around on an actor that fast where I was like, Chris Catan's in this? Oh, no. <laughs> You're a Catan fan. Yeah, I'm a Catan fan, yeah. too. It I took about 20 seconds. Hater. I was like, this man's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We did him wrong. I mean, also, there's like kind of a sad undertone to that, too, because like both Brennan Frazier... Chris Kattan and um, Rose McGowan. Yeah. They all were like Me Too people. Like they all like suffered abuse in the industry and like kind of like 
retracted from oh, wow. their like celebrity because yeah. of that stuff. So it's like kind of sad to see them all like at the end of like when they were famous in this one movie that was like a goof them around yeah. that like failed financially so hard. And it's actually like pretty good. It's actually like an interesting I, over the top. I like, think we saw it under the best circumstances, like because we were out at a bar before. So I definitely like thought it wasn't, you know, a perfect film by any means, but like after a few drinks and you get on its level, like, damn, this thing is weird. Yeah. Whoa. It's like <laughs> consistently weird, just weird shit on top of weird shit. And then the Chris Kattan stuff happens. You're like, Oh my God, this is hilarious. It definitely hits another gear whenever that happens. So it like, I don't know. It's like you're on the roller coaster yeah. and it's a really fun ride. I don't know. Like I had a lot of fun yeah. watching it. It was very refreshing to go. I knew absolutely nothing about Same. the film. Like, I don't think I'd ever heard of it before. So I knew Brendan Fraser was in it. I didn't know like what genre it was. I didn't know what the plot was. So like he's at this award kind of thing or like this this gala at the beginning uh, meeting with like investors for the show. And then and then he's in coma land and then he's like, you know, I just had no idea what would happen at any given moment. And it was like endlessly creative so i thought it was yeah very it was good. visually a lot yeah. going on in a better world monkey bone would be a huge hit there'd be an amusement park you can visit that looks just <laughs> like the coma land that he oh, gets stuck God. in and it would be a fucking nightmare for everybody because well, it's like a scary place monkey bone himself is the worst part oh yeah. by far so that that's kind of its fatal flaw and I assumed that Chris Kattan was voicing the monkey because it was annoying, but it turned out that was John Turturro. Yeah, Chris Kattan is innocent. Didn't <laughs> the like I f for some reason when you guys mentioned Monkey Bone, it made me think of like Joe's apartment. Like, is that all in the same like couple of years? Like, I feel like there was like a good bit of movies that had like this weird dark '90s humor mm -hmm. that had that weird, you know, like kind it's of like a grimy to aesthetic. Grimy tone yeah, it's like yeah. a tone to it. Definitely. Yeah, like, yeah, a little nasty. I guess it was like late 90s, early, early, early 2000s. If you yeah. think a lot of like Nickelodeon cartoons around that time were all like nasty, like Ren and Stimpy oh, and yeah. uh, Filthy. Uh, real monsters and the Rugrats, like just boogers and slime <laughs> and like, you know, just like dirt. I don't yeah. know. Like they allowed Dirty for times. kids to want to be gross and like to, yeah. uh, you know, indulge in grotesquery. Yeah. That like, I don't know if you think about kids media now, my mind goes to like the Disney channel or something. And well, it's like so squeaky also, clean. Also, well, squeaky clean, but kids are really into shit now. Like, shit toys poop toys <laughs> oh, that's that big true yeah. emoji. slime that looks like shit yeah I'm, I'm not giving the kids enough credit yeah they love shit and slime so. they still love it you just got to give it to them that's yeah right. but you're right it's a it, it's a little glossed over yeah. and mm -hmm. not as grimy as it could be yeah i'm gonna put that on your tombstone Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> they love shit you just got to give it to them <laughs> I feel like that's kind of that is part of the Swamp Flicks ethos. Yep, yeah. a little bit. Give them the shit. <laughs> Give them the shit they the want. Sh the shit they crave. I'd say there are a couple movies on this list that we came up with today that like are basically for children, even though they're rated R. Or <laughs> like gross. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple serious ones in here to balance it mm -hmm. out too. And that's something else we do here. Yes. We, we have Criterion Channel that's and we have right. Monkey Bone. We like to balance. <laughs> we like to balance. We, yeah, we bring the high art deep into the <laughs> shit with us. Uh, today we're talking about evil professionals. People yep. who are just doing their job and everyone else is scared of them for no reason. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to make a living. Yeah, come right. on. <laughs> I have nothing else to say about that. That perfectly <laughs> describes everything we're getting into. It does. <laughs>
And all that's coming up to you right now. Don't you know, don't you know that I'm eBay? So don't you, don't you turn your back on me, cause I, I've been to Babylon and I, I've seen the Mercury wings flying high. I've touched the golden fleece, cause I'm me, baby. Can't you see, can't you see that I'm me, Today we're going to be talking about horror films based on professions, and we're going to kick it off with The Plumber. <laughs> from 1979 the plumber is a peter weir film um he's done he was like kind of big with the australian new wave which i'm very ignorant of i don't know anything about it oh picnic at hanging rock picnic yeah, yeah hanging we rock. did that and fearless we did on this podcast yeah, too. yeah. great film so mm-hmm. i haven't watched fearless but i've seen picnic at hanging rock kind of the same feeling with this like just this sort of creepy lingering in the background kind of mm-hmm. well, also like the main character is an anthropologist so there's all that um uh, indigenous like music and like yes. atmosphere sort of like rolling in the background so there's like kind of like a sorcery thing yeah. going on even though right. you're just in an apartment <laughs> like right there's nothing like really like natural and or... he he also um helped birth mel gibson's career with gallipoli i remember i watched that whenever we we're in one of my history classes in high school but yeah, it's a very, very young Mel Gibson. So thanks, Peter Weir. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. <laughs> you did this that, is sir. You're doing. <laughs> um, so this film is about this, you know, this grad student who lives in this apartment, and she is an anthropologist, or that's kind of like what her program is, and she has this horrible boyfriend that she lives with total turd and speaking of turds they have some some plumbing issues <laughs> flawless so segue she um this so this pl- this plumber randomly picks a floor he we watch him go in the elevator he's like yeah let's go to this floor and then he kind of forces himself into her apartment is like you know he kind of comes in as like you know there are some issues with uh, the pipes in the building i just i'll be out in like 10 minutes And then he starts like cracking into the tile and it turns out it's not 10 minutes. He's kind of stuck there for days on and off and he starts to drive her insane. He's like encroaching on her space. He just takes a shower. He takes a shower and sings. But, and the thing is, is like, she's, she's sort of like, this is crazy, right? Where I felt like that so many times. I feel like Mm -hmm. that almost every day where stuff happens and I'm like, am I losing my mind? This isn't right. Right. So she's kind of going through that and she's trying to reach out to her boyfriend and he kind of doesn't believe her. He just kind of shrugs her off and he's like, okay. Yeah. He's so focused on his own work thing. Right. Like his, where I kind of like tried to comprehend what he was doing, but it has something to do with like a disease from like cannibalism in yeah. New Guinea. Yeah. He's he, he's like a researcher in in like diet and nutrition. Like yeah. he's a, he's a doctor and he gives lectures and he's I think it's kuru or something. Yeah, it's like a disease that you get from yeah, ingesting yes. human meat. And it's pretty obvious how he got further ahead in his career while she's like kind of held back by all these like domestic issues. Like yeah. she's like stuck in the house dealing with this plumbing, with plumbing. issue and he's just off doing his like professional work. Yeah. So very frustrating guy. Yes. 
so for you know she becomes more and more frustrated as she's trying to like finish her work in the apartment that this plumber is taking over and then this plumbing situation goes batshit where he like brings in musical instruments and (laughs) starts singing and then he starts pulling pipes out the walls and the whole bathroom is like a maze of pipes yeah he like created this like weird like sculptural piece Mm -hmm. it was like weirdly conceptual art in the bathroom out of pipes he's like writing song lyrics on the walls It is pretty good. I will say pretty good voice. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, fine. But he's like a mediocre artist. Like it's not like he's, <laughs> he's like, not that good. He's showing off and it's like some like Bob Dylan ripoff yeah. song. Absolutely. Yeah. Brendan, he came up with that in an hour. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> I would say I, I did find it funny when he was playing the guitar where his like right hand is not moving right. at all and the chords <laughs> are strumming. I'm like, okay, you're not playing that. He is a charismatic guy, though. Yeah, kind I found of. him to be charismatic, yeah. or he tries to be. Yeah. Well, I found him utterly charmless. But. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the whole you just kind of feel like so stuck, where it's like, God, this person will not mm-hmm. leave, and no one believes me, and I can't get him to leave. And you, the whole film, pretty much. I mean, there's parts where it doesn't, you know, we're not in the apartment, but we're in that apartment the whole time with her, and it's everything is so close, and it is just a very claustrophobic movie. Well, when I initially watched this, um, kind of was more through, like, I was kind of rooting more for the the grad student, the female character, where I'm like, yes, girl, like, mm-hmm. people aren't believing you, your space is getting torn up. But kind of on this rewatch, I kind of was more on the plumber's no. side, because I'm just like, okay, like, you know, she's like the student that's studying these aboriginal cultures where there's all kinds of art on her wall where it's like is that even appropriate should you even have this in your damn apartment and someone's encroaching on your space well that's kind of what happened in australia with yeah you know white people kind of coming in and taking right. over this aboriginal space and being like how do you like it whenever someone takes yeah, over your home forced assimilation and there's a moment which really kind of got me on his side whenever she starts to lose her shit. And she's like, you're just a fucking tradesman. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is like the wealthy, like, yeah. grad student who is trying to, like, act like she's cultured because right. she, you know, knows about all these different tribes and stuff like that. And then there's someone who's coming in that she's looking down on. Like, you're just this filthy tradesman who's an idiot. Right. And after that, I was like, dude, fucking blow the pipes up. But I, I think that's the thing is, like, I found both of them unlike like yeah she's unlikable because she's like the liberal you know she loves these aboriginal tribes but you know that she secretly looks down on poor people and yeah people like you remember the com- in a class like she below her somewhat like a racist comment too yeah. like maybe during the dinner i can't yeah, really remember something about because she's making curry and there's an Indian doctor. Yes. Yeah, I've never so made awkward. it for one of... One of It's like you. she doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't know what to say, and then she just kind of stops. Right, yeah. right. But, like, the plumber guy is, like... A fucking nightmare. He's yeah. a nightmare, well, he's too. He's a nightmare, but I almost felt like... I'm like, is he, like... <laughs> is he trying to, like, take down... Like these people, like is he like I'm gonna go and find some like rich asshole to fuck with like, today? I don't know. She's probably worse in the end because he's honest about who he is, yeah. and she's not. And I think that's my. Well, he's not takeaway. honest about why he's in there and fucking up her day. He's just doing it. He's like, not as, honest like, about the pipes. And he the likes to feel work. powerful. Yeah, yeah, because he's a lowly 
plumber that doesn't get paid shit and society looks down on him. Right. And ultimately the last gag of the film is her like weaponizing the police to like protect her property. And that's the only way that she can exert power in the scenario because all these men are like ignoring her. And like that move is like really despicable and the movie kind of ends on it. Zooming in on her like she had like done something evil. The only time that she actually like her hair in this movie like is so obnoxious because like she's so petite <laughs> and she has this tiny tiny little face but she has this massive mop of hair yeah. where she gets hidden in it and then at the end she's like okay so this whole end scene she puts her hair up and then she's like got this like turtleneck dress on and then here's the thing i'm a fat bitch okay why are they having dinner and they're each eating half of an avocado. Oh, yes, yeah, we, that was right. Totally Wild, that's that not normal. Like, Y'all no. don't eat like that, right? No, <laughs> I was me and James. Wow. I was what, like, that's not a meal. We were she's like, like, are you ready to eat? And then she starts like scooping it, like just like these tiny slithers of right. half of an avocado. Right. Yeah. No, I, that to me was totally <laughs> okay. satirizing. Like, yeah. Liberal, vegan, whatever. You know, health conscious. Because they on her cutting it. Right. Yeah. And then he's like, where is your watch? And he loses his shit. He's like, I paid 400 bucks for that. Right. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm missing 50 bucks too. Must be the plumber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's why I was kind of curious to see how y'all felt about it. Because I feel like I saw it in two different lenses. And at the end of it, I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, am I supposed to pick a side? I think the movie's like satirizing you, assuming that you are on her side. Like, it's assuming that the audience would be like a higher brow, like erudite academic from the city who is afraid of these like working class brutes that you have to invite in your home for things you have no control over. Like. I don't know how to like do my electricity without shocking myself. Yeah, uh, and we've all. I mean, I'm sure we've had those experiences where like, oh, a painter's got to come or the plumber's yeah. got to, right. and you have I've to like interact it. with them. And a lot of times, like in my experiences, you could tell that they're like, "Shoot, I'm sorry." I'm like, "No, fucking come in here and do what yeah, you got to yeah. do. Like, right. it's your job." But there's always gonna be that like, I don't know. Like, I actually work a more blue collar type job, but there is yeah. a disconnect between blue collar and like people that work at a university or you know and their politics don't really align and your views on a myriad of issues probably don't align and that like inviting that into your home and having to face it directly I just kind of it it hit me because with like the work that I do like you know I work in like corporate but a lot of the work that I do is built on blue collar stuff Mm -hmm. and just seeing like how a lot of leaders will be like well you know i'm an app we're academics and like blah blah and i'm like yeah but you can't do what they do right Right. like why are you looking down on that like they're engineering shit that you can't even think of yeah um so there's like that i don't know i kind of felt that more on this watch of it Mm. like and it it, she pissed me off yeah (laughs) and there was also like i i thought this film was really interesting politically and there is something specific about like like wealthy people in academia because like their housing is provided by the university and they make that he makes that point a couple of times like this isn't your house like you know the taxpayers are paying Mm. and especially if she's in a public university yeah and then it's like 
she's I think she's talking about some project and he said oh was that a grant funded project so it's like like these academics looking down on tradesmen and but are also like reliant on the like funding from other people and they don't see how that's kind of like like they're being supplemented by other people like I just think that's a really interesting kind of dynamic specific to academia and I I can imagine her thinking like oh people on welfare like a pariah to the state it's like you're getting money from the it state just too. looks yeah. fancier yeah. the movie is undoubtedly critical of her and her point of view yeah but i think it also just views him through her point of view right and nothing he does is fun or charming to watch like yeah. i'm so frustrated with every thing like even early on when he just walks in and she's trying to do her work and he keeps being like i've seen a lot of great bathrooms in my life it's like, what are we doing in this conversation? Are just we, like eating out yeah, my he time. He kind of forces her to eat that fig cake. Yeah. And he's like, herbal tea. Right. <laughs> Take a bite. No, he is not likable. Right. He's a misogynist brute, just yeah. like her husband. Yeah. And that is the, pa- it's like, she is dependent upon him to like, I mean, there isn't even a problem with her plumbing, right. as far as we can tell. But she is dependent <laughs> on him and she is kind of like, at his mercy and he does use it to like he kind of extends his stay he plays loud music he like takes her food and he's like he's also working upon her politeness yeah to kind that, of like yeah fuck her up that's the part i love like yeah. that's my shit i love that like social nicety oh i have to play nice with this person you know because that's what you're supposed to right. do what was and, that uh, Dutch Danish thriller yeah that speak just, no evil yeah that just came out on Shudder yeah, mm-hmm. it seemed like a similar thing right it, it I, is and I, I actually rewatched it last week and yeah it's very that section of the film is very good like how much are you willing to allow someone to push your boundaries for the keeping of social part yeah like part of that claustrophobic feeling too is that like yeah where i'm like oh my god just say get get out get the fuck out get the fuck out (laughs) and like i'm okay like i'll shit in a bucket i don't need you to like fuck with my pipes bye yeah and you want her to say that but you could tell like she's like not like she knows she wants to do it but she just can't push herself to do it because it's sort of like inappropriate for her to do yeah. as like this woman. And she, ah, yeah, that, yeah. that yeah. tension worked so well mm-hmm. in this movie. I also liked that it's not even clear in the beginning if he actually is a plumber. It's oh, yeah. like he just has his tools. He <laughs> kind of walks in and he's like, yeah. I'm here. And then he even tells her the story like, oh, I used to steal things and I would bring my plumber's tools with me and just like people believed that I was supposed to be there. So <laughs> she's like, what is this guy just like totally and fucking with me? When he knows that she's freaked out, he's like, I'm not even a plumber. Right. And she like stops cold and goes, I'm actually a folk singer. <laughs> and then she gets like <laughs> indignant yeah. about that. But it's like f- her first strategy is to figure out like, is this guy even working for the university? Is he? It's like he's maybe he's an imposter and so I can force him out of my home. Like, yeah. But the real horror, I mean, that would be a horrifying situation, but it's even more horrifying that, no, he's legitimately the plumber. He is the plumber And for you the just building. have to deal with it because now none of your shit works at all. Like, they, they have this dinner party and <laughs> yes. the bathroom is just a nightmare. And I have no idea why her husband, like, he just doesn't have a clue. Like, no person in their right mind would have a dinner party at a house without working plumbing. 
you Especially know? with the setup. Like, yeah. I love how the plumbing gets progressively worse and worse and more nightmarish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, someone like gets injured. Putting right. pipes where they don't even belong. Right. At the- <laughs> They're crisscrossing through yeah. the room where you can't get to the toilet. Mm-hmm. And then... It's like an insane Escher drawing. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> like, what does this even mean? And then whenever she's like... When she does tell him to leave, they all burst. Right. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'll do rough and ready. And then it's like, (laughs) it's like things look, and that's what, like this whole time I was like, does, can this guy even do plumbing? Like, does he know what he's talking about? And when he perfectly sabotages their bathroom, it's like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he fixes it in like half a day. Right. But then, you know, it's a sabotage. Yeah. That was one thing I was going to kind of keep bringing up with all these bad professional movies. Mm -hmm. It's like, he feels like maybe the best at his actual job like oh, he's, no. i think he's actually a good plumber out of all the the movies we're going to talk about like i would say yeah he's I up he's up there he's, he another, do plumbing. he's tied with i think they're all he's skilled. tied with another <laughs> i think they're all skilled and it's just what they use their skills for okay it's questionable well, we'll, we'll come back to that question <laughs> yeah, later yeah. But who's, that's a good i'm gonna keep that in my mind yeah. as we go through this <laughs> yeah Who, who's actually the worst at their job right. i feel like in a ideal situation he would be a good like he can do plumbing yeah and he can do it well he just chooses not to for this particular lady and one like the thing that i was thinking about is like these are all evil profession movies (laughs) and i feel like the profession the horror of a profession is like what do I depend on this person for and what access are they given to my life because of their profession yeah and this is like he has to be inside of my house i either have to stay there with him or like leave and he can do whatever he wants and but it's like a necessity too. right and once you like Plumbing. they didn't have any issues you know that they knew of but once he starts working like you have he has to keep coming back like yeah until it's solved you can't just force him out Wrong. of your house God, that's like remember when our landlords were selling our house and they had to do showings so it's like, oh, yeah. hey, we're going to have people be by between 12 and 2 for the next Wednesday on, you know, for the next month or two. Yeah. Just like that idea of like, this is my personal home, mm-hmm. my space that I pay money to live in. My underwear missed the laundry basket. It's just sitting on yeah. the floor right next <laughs> right. to it. <laughs> That's right. And you're going to like, and that random people coming in your house and mm-hmm. kind of taking Invading it over. Invading your space. And, yeah. Uh, just like that irks me so much and that's what like the tension in this film was so much of that like god damn like get out of my house yeah a couple of these get to like my nightmare with people too especially this one which is like just being trapped in inane conversations for no reason <laughs> yeah. whatsoever yeah where there's no point like him just talking about the amazing bathrooms he's been in like who could possibly give half of a shit about the words <laughs> that are coming out of your mouth right now and you're yeah. just holding me hostage to listen to this because we have some sort of transactional relationship right yeah and wouldn't it benefit both of us to just like acknowledge that and not pretend to be friends for five minutes but see that drives me insane in my daily life yeah no but i know and like <laughs> okay like we go to win dixie like pretty much every day and like the self-checkout people have to help and like I see this person every single day, the same girl that works that. And it's like, you have to do some sort of a name conversation. Yeah. You know, that's part of like being an adult. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm also good. That's it. That's, yeah, that's yeah. all I need. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
What if they start bringing up the weather and they got a cool front coming in? But the more you interact (laughs) with someone, the more like they might actually take that conversation to the next level. And then you're in some weird gray area. Like, I don't don't want to be your friend, but I need you to. But you never know. Because like, so before I came here, I was at the laundromat and there's a lady that works there. And then she talks a lot. But she's really sweet. So I'm like, I'm going to talk with her. Mm-hmm. And then she told me, like, her mother died. And she confided right. with me for, yeah. like, a whole hour today about, like, how, you know, she's, like, alone, all this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit. And I just felt like, you know, mm. if I wouldn't have entertained her, like, the first couple times I was going over, she wouldn't have done that. And hopefully it helped. But yeah. that's one thing where you recognize, like, she's a sweet lady. Yeah. It's another, like. She's not a plumber. Right. If it's, like. The plumber. The guy that mows your lawn and, like. He says some really offensive shit, and they're like, "Oh wait, but I still got to interact." So you just smile and nod, like, right? Yeah. yeah, that's more like what, yeah, yeah. the plumber is getting at. Like, like the, you're right. I don't like this person, but I need them to do this yes. task mm-hmm. for me. Oof. I feel like I'm being held hostage in those conversations. There's no polite way out of it, and yeah. it never, it rarely ever gets to anything deeper than like a name babble. Yeah, and like it actually like. My brain is on fire in those situations. Like, yeah. How can I end this? Oh, like Brandon, I, I I don't like that for you, but I would love to witness it. <laughs> I think I think I I think I internalize it more than I'm actually giving myself credit for because I feel like they could like see my eyes on fire. Like, why are we Just still talking? Coming about- out your ears. I have. I mean, we have a a nosy neighbor. Yeah. To us down. Oh my she's god. She's a nice old woman, but man. You start talking about anything and it just will go on for at least 45 yeah. minutes. And I have that same look of fire. I'm like, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. I want to I'm go like, home. I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm slowly like inching towards the house. Oh, and you get nervous when you pull up and you probably see yeah. him. You're like, I just want to fucking go inside. No, I'll, right. I'll just sit in my car for 20 minutes <laughs> wait for <laughs> her to go oh, inside. Yeah. That is better to I will me take than the back the uh, service exit stairs instead of riding the elevator so I don't have to talk to my own fucking coworkers who I see <laughs> right. every day. <laughs> About nothing. Yes. Right. Nothing. Yeah. But I don't think that's a good impulse. It doesn't make me a good person. No. Like, and I feel like the movie's kind of poking fun at her <laughs> discomfort. And like the, the way she kind of uses microaggressions to like get past it. Like yeah. she'll turn her mm-hmm. audio tapes or her job up higher to like match his yeah. rock and roll music or like whatever. Yeah. Um, and eventually she has to like go nuclear, which is calling the cops on him. She tries every passive aggressive exit strategy she can think of and then eventually she just like has to use institutional but, violence. but i don't yeah. even know if direct communication would have worked for her in this movie like no. you know, he if she would have said in the beginning like i don't feel comfortable with you i want you to leave i'm going to get a new plumber hey, lady relax come on yeah oh yeah. totally he yeah. wouldn't have let it slide yeah. so there was no easy way out of this one did this guy remind you of John C. Riley at all? I was thinking about him a lot. During oh, this. Yeah, okay. they have the same kind of face, well, that square face. They're structure. both jovial but sinister. When I yeah. said earlier yeah. that I found this guy charismatic, hair. I guess I meant the actor playing him. I thought was like, outside of this character, this seems like a fun dude. Yeah. Like, I probably, yeah, like, nice I'd probably hang a, out with that dude. A jovial face. Yeah. You know, Lots of fun stories. He knows what he's doing, though. He's an evil bastard. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Just using minor inconvenience to create this nightmare in this apartment. But I love that horror of minor inconvenience. Like, this is a really good pick mm. for that. It's also like you were saying about um, that Japanese noir. Like, it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, he made this after he made Picnic and Hanging Rock, which is a much more, like, loose, like, atmospheric kind of terror. Yeah. 
this feels like if you know Spielberg made Duel after he made Jaws and ET. You know, like you know they were both made for TV movies. Exactly. Duel yeah. mm-hmm. and this, but this yeah, this feels kind of like it was interesting watching it and like they have the hard like ad breaks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yes. like oh, that's where there would be the commercials commercial would pop in. Yeah, the rhythm of the film kind of. I could feel the made-for-TV-ness mm-hmm. of it. But it's quick. It doesn't really feel episodic. It feels like no, it's yeah, building towards way. something. Yeah. And um, I, I really like when people have to be efficient, like film something small and tense in three weeks and like knock it out for TV. Like, Yeah. He's doing a lot of the same stuff that you'll see in his more like loosey-goosey artsy films, but like mm-hmm. he has to tighten it up for TV, and it's kind of fun to see him knock out an efficient thriller like that. Hey, uh, and it is thrilling. The cutting edge of medicine. (laughs) The film I picked for our bad professionals is a movie I saw. I remember being in the video store and just seeing the cover. Just had a doctor's face and the tagline. I still remember it was like, the doctor is insane. (laughs) There's another poster where it says the doctor is out. Of his mind. Uh, <laughs> they went to that well twice. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, and basically the movie goes to that well a lot. Um, but I'd always seen that. And like this film we're going to talk about, Dr. Giggles, came out in 1992. So it's sort of at the end of the slasher. You know, I think about like Friday the 13th and mm-hmm. Halloween. This is sort of the end of that. And this is also four or five years before Scream. So it hadn't reached the like meta level yet, but this, I would say this is a comedy. This is a horror comedy about the titular Dr. Giggles, who, <laughs> who I also want to say the is show. the only one of our bad professionals who isn't an actual professional. And he's not he's really not good a, at what he does. No, he's not a real doctor. I disagree with he, that. He's and pretty I actually good. will push back on that yeah. too. I think he could have been a very good yeah. surgeon. He if didn't he wasn't go to in, med school. If you give Same. him the chance. Yeah. If you give him <laughs> right. the chance? Yeah. yeah. He, he had no training. He's very informal training. And That's true. The ability to take out someone's heart without any training. And he did is, like birth himself in a way. Yeah. yeah. And oh, we'll get, we'll right. get to we'll so, get all that. He also could have worked in a comedy writer's room because every time he kills somebody, he has like a quip locked and loaded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. But it, so Y'all are right. So basically, like, there's this town, uh, Moorhigh, where... Been there. Been there. <laughs> Great play. Back in the 50s, um, they had a doctor who was murdering people to try to find a heart for his wife who had this heart condition and the townspeople stoned him to death. And all these years later, his son returns to the town to enact revenge and also takes a liking to this girl who also has a heart condition. And he basically kills people in order to perform surgery on her. Like all he wants to do is get this girl a heart transplant. But regardless, like, the film, it's a comedy. It's all doctor puns over and over and over. like every kill is a doctor pun. 
he kills a surgeon that's always groping his receptionist, and then he pulls out the surgeon's arms and says, he should have kept his hands to himself. <laughs> Great. Or, you know. There's a lot of, I mean. He's giggling after doing open heart surgery, and he's like, laughter is the best medicine. Like, every single and kill. It, it, it's one of those movies, too, where, like, when a character, at one point, the main protagonist is holding an apple and you're like, oh my god, they're totally gonna make a pun about an apple a day keeps a dog. Yes. and they do it, and you're like, oh god, okay. I love the <laughs> first time I saw him. I was like, why do they call him Doctor? Oh, okay, he's already giggling. All right, <laughs> yeah, and he does this. <laughs> that giggle will haunt my nightmare. So, it, and his face when he does it, it's his so, whole face just pushes back into his neck. So yeah, the the actor Larry Drake who plays Doctor Giggles, I recognized him from some he's Dark Man. Like yeah, Dark Man. Uh, some other stuff from like 80s kind of action movies. Um, he really hams it up in this, but kind of plays it with a straight face. And yeah, like he kills a lot of people in this movie. <laughs> That's what blew me away. First thing, it was like, how many murders actually take place? I think he kills almost 20 people, which is a high body count yeah, for he, a slasher. He goes like really hard where... The one kill that he did not do that I thought was so funny, where he does make a good comment, is um, the little boy playing the video games, <laughs> where you're like, oh, man, he's going to take this kid out. And then the, he's like, I forget what he's he like, says. He's like, terminal case. Terminal yeah, yeah, case. Yeah, the kid's already dead. <laughs> he yeah. walks away. I love that the movie has no concern about the practicality from traveling from kill to kill he just appears like a ghost yeah like, uh, he like just how does he get in the house we don't know doesn't matter like it's <laughs> it's about efficiency again like it just like allows him to be wherever he needs to be to get the next kill and, and also like we don't see that many kills on screen like a lot of it is just blood spurting on his like face or on his yeah you know, yeah jacket apparently like the sensors kind of cut out some of the gorier stuff yeah. It's not like as gory as I thought it would be, but there are some pretty sick kills in this thing. The gore, like, I feel like it, it would have been cool to have seen them, but it almost makes it creepier by not seeing it. Like, there's this one contraption he has where he, like, shoves it in someone's face and yeah, it pulls back their getting, glasses. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that was creepy, like, without me seeing the whole thing Or the, like, mm-hmm. the reverse happen. feeding Right, he's pulling out the ice yes. cream, and then oh. it's just like a vanilla ice cream, but then it starts what goes turning down red. Must come yeah. up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know, like that pretty much sums up the whole movie as far as like the tone of it. It's that it's we can't like, skip the most gruesome part, which is uh, his birth scene as a child. Where, yeah. Well, okay, hold that's on. fucked up. What I was gonna say, so that <laughs> that like whole like obvious pun punchline thing is like the humor of the movie and like it honestly wears thin by the end disagree (laughs) although i will say the line where he was like you know do what doctors do best and he grabs a golf club literally it had me howling i was like that is probably the funniest line of this whole movie but throughout this movie there were individual scenes that i thought were actually awesome like there's like a funhouse mirror scene, which gorgeous, gorgeous, really yeah. psychedelic, and it ends with the weirdest kill of the movie: this woman with this huge band aid, yeah, overhead. Where'd you get that band aid? That was like the <laughs> over the top, the most like over the top. Yeah, the movie goes. You kind of expect it to run out of steam, but it really doesn't. It keeps like trying to top itself. Oh, and when 
there's like a basement doctor's office and all the corpses in the like, waiting yeah, room holding that was, magazines. That was yeah. great. <laughs> so <laughs> fucking good. hilarious. Like yeah. really funny stuff. And I think my favorite absurd scene, uh, where one of the slimy side characters is like trying to get laid. Oh god. And him trying to put on a condom. Fishing it out the toilet. And fishing it out the toilet. With the bristle with his, end of the toothbrush. His own toothbrush. And okay. the toilet's not clean. And he, and he also is like putting a condom on his penis that isn't even hard. Like It's the what? most insane teen behavior I've ever seen. <laughs> While the girl, he's so, like, here's my mom's lingerie. That was the part. Oh, that was like, yes. his lingerie. He what? stole his mom's lingerie to dress his girlfriend right. in to have sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> And then <laughs> pulls out like the condom out of the toilet with, like you said, the bristle yeah. and the toothbrush. If you're gonna use a toothbrush, <laughs> use the other end. And the condom is broken; like there's holes right. in it, so the w- toilet water is. And then he decides through. to like, yeah, like she'll go never without know. the condom. So like now you're like, this guy has to die, right? And <laughs> then he climbs under the covers, and who's there? Not his girlfriend, Doctor Giggles. <laughs> That was a legitimately like surprising turn for me because I thought it was going to be her, but she was going to be dead. Me and then too. it's just Dr. Giggles. But he scream. also warns it like, you should use protection. Right. So it's like a good message. <laughs> yeah. That's You're scene. right. He would be a good doctor. Yeah. yeah. There's always insane teenage behavior in slashers. We're like, what are you doing? Right. But that escalation of that character <laughs> over those two minutes just reached this sublime silliness right. for me. I was just like, this okay. guy is out of his mind. There, there's another scene. <laughs> oh, oh my God. I think, I think this character calls it the bash. So like the boyfriend of the main protagonist, he sucks in this movie. Oh, like yeah. she goes and runs off. They separate. He immediately hooks up with this chick and she invites him to like, oh, there's a bash at whatever. And it's like the music room at their high school yeah. and they're just like making everyone's just like making out and <laughs> fucking in this music room yeah. and she's like giving fellatio to like a so like saxophone <laughs> and <laughs> just wild like yeah the girl who does it like there's these two like ripped twins and she's like look it's the twin peaks yeah, let's climb wow. them or something. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so bizarre. It's also funny when, like, when the main girl finally comes into the music room and she sees her boyfriend. And then she's like, she's like running out, but she's kind of like running into all these music stands, like unceremoniously scattered across the room. So I like the birthing scene. Come on, we can't. Yeah, yeah, okay, and then that's kind of the we love the bash, like, but. That's probably the goriest, the film, because there's a question early on, like, okay, this doctor was stoned to death, but where did his son go? How did his son get out of the house? You know, and then there's a flashback with this cop, and he remembers the time where, like, he's in the room with all the bodies, and you just see this woman's stomach get cut open, and the child comes out from the stuff like a six-year-old like climbs out of her corpse yeah like he sewed himself out of her belly yeah out of her belly and it's sick it's It's, upsetting it's really the sickest thing in this movie yeah um that's where it reaches like that brian using it like the dentist yeah where it's just like this isn't fun anymore i'm very yeah i think a lot of the gore is pretty tame but that is not tame haunting so i don't know like overall I was about this movie. Like I loved it. The Doctor Pun. <laughs> it, it had me chuckling. And then like I said, these specific scenes we've talked about were really weird. 
are like over the top gross or just funny. And I was like entertained throughout this thing. Like I had a very fun time with Dr. Giggles. I I love this movie and it used to play a lot on AMC. So AMC used to have like Horror Fridays and I would record. That was like my big um, hobby is I would like record on like MTVHS tapes, like movies on TV. And that's how I built my like movie collection. And I had Dr. Giggles and right after was um, a hammer horror called And Now the Screaming Starts. Oh, yeah. And it was like my ultimate double feature for so long. Um, and they're super unrelated. I wish I'd grown up with this one. I grew up with The Dentist, which I feel like is a very similar film. But yeah. The Violence wise, is nastier, though. It is meaner. Yeah. yeah. This yeah, one is like, meaner. this one's very goofy. And I, I think... TV friendly. It fits in a nice little, like, like we were talking about earlier, like, it's a post-slasher. Like, it's not really trying to be scary. Mm-hmm. It's definitely trying to be funny mm-hmm. and sort of, sort of the way that Scream eventually would become fun. It's, a meta-ish, but like, or like this late in the franchises, like Chucky and Freddy were both quipping like fucking crazy every time yeah. they killed somebody. Right, like they start off as these disgusting monsters, and then by like three or four entries in the franchise, they're goofing right. around. They're and like this Bugs is getting Bunny that characters. out the way and immediately going to yeah. that. It's a really good movie. I think it delivers the goods. Like. You could have a much smarter movie where all these scenes are connected in like a smarter way and like these characters mean something, but it's not trying to do that in any way. It's like, I'm going to make a fun slasher and I'm just going to do the stuff that like matters to that audience, which is dumb teenagers on a Friday night. And it just delivers that over and over again. You get the goofy puns, the really upsetting gore, and then who really cares how we got there from destination to destination, (laughs) right? It's all very amorphous in between, like the individual checkpoints, um, and I—I I, I don't know. I thought it was like highly amusing the entire time. I was really into it. But like, what I was talking about the meta thing too, like the dumb teenagers. Like, Scream explicitly said it, but like that scene where they go to the bash at like that has to be <laughs> satire. Like, yeah, no one could take that seriously. So it's saying like, this is what we do in these slasher movies, like. There's Makeout Creek or whatever, and we just take it to an absurd level where it's like mocking the very thing that mm-hmm. it's supposed to be. And I, I don't know. I, I got a hoot out of that. I also feel like there's a certain era of horror around this time with cable and VHS where like no one's explicitly saying it, but these R-rated movies are marketed to young children. And like that goofy Looney Tunes sensibility, mm-hmm. you're supposed to enjoy it as someone who's technically too young to watch it. Um, definitely the next movie, Ice Cream Man from 1995, like, it's the same thing. Like, it, that is a children's movie that just happens to be rated R for, like, a couple kill scenes. And we should talk about Ice Cream Man soon. Not for very long. Right. But as <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm watching ready. Ice Cream Man, I'm like, okay, this is trying to do the exact same thing as Dr. Giggles. Yeah. You know, it's like a horror comedy sort of laughing at the genre a little more heart i think in the ice cream man mm-hmm. yeah but <laughs> but it didn't work like i kept wondering like what is lacking like what did dr giggles get right that ice cream man is getting wrong ice cream man just isn't vicious enough to leave an impression in any way like really? it actually does feel like a kid's movie yeah there's like goofy stuff where he like puts an eyeball in the guy in the cop's ice cream cone or like and he like 
takes two heads of two cops and, and puts them on little ice cream scoops. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then cockroaches and then in the ice cream and then trying to make this child the new ice well, cream man. All right. Let, it's let's creepy. talk about ice cream. Man. Yes. Okay. This is the like big Clint Howard vehicle. Like if you think about him as a leading man, <laughs> like this is it. This is I as big as a timeline of, there's another timeline where Ron Howard is Clint Howard. Clint Howard's much cooler than Ron Howard. Oh, yeah, yeah. I already right. went off on Ron Howard last time we talked. I don't need to like <laughs> neg him any more than I already have. But like Clint Howard's cool. He's like in a bunch of low budget horror stuff. I think he got his start like on Star Trek. He's just been in genre stuff forever. Mostly just because he looks weird. He's like a yeah. weird looking little goblin man <laughs> who's been very enjoyable to children since he started as a young actor. Like kids just latch onto him. So giving him in this like R-rated kids film, I think is like very smart use of him. Um, he plays an evil ice cream man and rides around in his truck and serves people human body parts and bugs in their ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the ice cream man was more relatable to me personally as a vehicle for horror because uh, I mean I think in Doctor Giggles it's like obviously there is a fear of like this doctor having ultimate control over your you know life and whatever so but i was terrified of the ice cream truck when (laughs) i was a child because i thought that i don't know i had like a big fear of buying things from people like at stores i thought that like the store owners would turn me into a mannequin and like when i went to restaurants i thought they would like poison the food and like drag me back (laughs) and the and that's how I felt about the ice cream truck. Like I thought that they were going to like steal me away or this like was cast your nightmare. Spe- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So I would like hide <laughs> when the ice cream truck oh. came. So I do agree that it's not a great film, but I think like the horror of a man having ice cream, like you know, the Pied Piper thing, like having this draw to little children, like that is an intrinsically scary profession. I almost want to grade it on a curve. Like this is okay for a children's film, yeah, but is it's it? rated R, right? <laughs> like, it's hard to do that, but it, it it feels like it's you know a Disney Channel original with some gore, in and it. that's what makes it scarier to me, just okay. because it's it's like from the lens of a child yeah but being so scary like there's something super uncomfortable i didn't find yeah, about scary it in this. Yeah, this one's scary like he doesn't kill oh i found it scary I thought it was very unsettling the peanut butter solution is much scarier than ice yeah. cream oh i always Absolutely. i was screaming whenever tuna was trying to get away from him at the grocery store oh god wait wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking tuna, like, i love these kids like tuna in the fat suit they yeah. should have had like there should have been a bigger showdown where the kids had those like bottle rocket bites and were like fighting the ice cream man on yeah. their bikes. But I just love the fact that they have names like Tuna and Racer and Small Paul and then the girl. Like her name is just Allison. Yeah. She, like she doesn't get a she nickname. She doesn't get a cool nickname. Yeah. Well, very typical. There's uh, this was made during the time of like Stranger Danger, I think. Mm-hmm. And there's this fear of like being in a store. And you can't find your mom. Mm-hmm. And there's a creepy man but, after but you. But there were parents everywhere. Yeah, and there they weren't doing adults. anything, though. He could have just said, hey, this Help, guy's chasing me. look at this me. weird guy who's running that around after me. That scene was so me. frustrating. Like, <laughs> I he's thought it was scary. He's hiding under the cart. But like, but like Brittany said, from the mind of a child, it's right. different. True, true. And yeah, I, I honestly was scared <laughs> of this movie as a kid, but I'd never seen it until this week. Like, I was scared of the cover. Mm. I 
always got it confused with Candyman. I thought they were basically the same yeah. movie. Uh, Candyman is much scarier than Ice Cream Man if you watch them as an adult. But I could see how, like, the imagination of a child, this movie would tap into in the yeah. right well, way. Well, because it was like nobody... When you're a kid, the people who are going to help you from the scary Ice Cream Man or cops or your mom, mm-hmm. and then both of those do not come in handy yeah. in here. So it's sort of... Mm. That's what makes it spooky. Yeah. Also scary to have an adult that, like kind of travels around in a van and knows where you live mm-hmm. like he can leave worms on your shoes i love the the Oops. van uh says <laughs> watch out children on it um, <laughs> right because of traffic yeah. stuff but you know it's actually a warning also i thought it i think it's disc- the idea of someone touching my ice cream is disgusting like he was like packing in like a large quantity yeah. looks gross disgusting. right he's like spoon like scooping the ice cream and he's putting a little eyeball in the rocky road for the marshmallow and he's like has his full hand on Ugh. the ice cream i was like oh my god that kind of worked the yeah. birthday clown mental hospital that he went I hate, to yeah that's upsetting right that is a trope that i just don't like period mm-hmm. like mental patient yeah and i had the same one. feeling about dr giggles too but it was yeah. like so much more a part of the ice cream truck yeah, like it's basically like you know that's the beginning of Doctor Giggles. Mm-hmm. This is like they come back to it over and over and over again, and it's yeah. It I really don't like. I, that. I just feel like they never really delved into his character, Clint Howard's. At least Doctor Giggles, you know, he had a backstory. Like his dad was a doctor, and they stoned mm-hmm. him because yeah. he was trying to find his wife a heart. And there's like a real backstory. Ice cream man. He's he just saw his, his ice dad. cream man murdered or something. But for, for a drug drugs? deal? But like, was what? his dad that's doing stu- the drug deal? Yeah, that's stupid. Also, it just feels lazy like in comparison yeah. to Dr. Giggles where Dr. Giggles has a whole scroll of puns yeah. locked and loaded for every kill. And you don't really get that with this movie. Like You get that true. in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. And then it's like a mile a minute and it's too much. You got to space them out space over the out. course. <laughs> yeah. You can't just push but them all in at the end. there's a lot of great ice cream puns you could do. Right? Yeah. It's, I don't know. I Not do that like, like Dr. Giggles was the height of comedy writing, but. <laughs> no, it's on. the most obvious joke, but it's paired with very upsetting gore. And like, there's a kind of a transgression yeah, I, in that. I, sure. I did like the, some of the goofy stuff, like when the kids are um, trying to, you know, see what the ice cream man's doing in the graveyard. Cause I think that he has, what's his name again? Little Paul. Small Paul. Small, Small Paul. Paul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and like, instead of bringing flowers to his like dad's grave, Mr. Brickle, it's like little ice cream cones. <laughs> That are all melted. You know, and I also like that, like, so the ice cream man kind of kidnaps Small Paul, and then they start this, like, kind of strange relationship. I don't know. I thought I thought that was kind of interesting. Because like, it was like he was trying to train like a mentor. Him, yeah. The yeah. new yeah. ice cream man. But it's a bummer that no kids were actually killed in this movie. Yeah. It's not as mean as Dr. Giggles. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you're going to have the threat of, you know, child mm-hmm. danger, like, kill at least one kid. No kids end up <laughs> yeah, being killed in this movie. Uh, I guess my problem, too, is, what like... A disappointment. <laughs> I really like this movie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I will say, I do think it uses the tools of the trade for novelty kills in a way that I enjoy. Like, uh, the ice cream man has a push pop that's actually a knife. Yeah. Yes. Or, like, you know, he's, like, threatening to throw people in the giant ice cream mixer pretty often. Like... Mm-hmm. I do enjoy that each of these movies focus on tools of the trade. Yeah. Mm. But that's like the bare minimum for me. Like, 
Yeah. The uh, plumbing pipes and the plumber, the uh, bone saw and um, reflexive uh, well, hammer and mm-hmm. Dr. Sort Giggles. What's disappointing about Dr. Giggles in that regard is like, at the very end, he brings out these very like Cronenbergian <laughs> oh my tools. Yeah. Monstrous tools for monstrous yeah. women. Right. And like, where were those things yeah. the whole time? You know? Yeah. I just don't really have much positive to say about Ice Cream Man. I, it might have just been in proximity to Dr. Giggles where I had already gotten everything mm-hmm. I could possibly want out of this kind <laughs> of movie. Yeah. Delivered in excess in that film. And like this one just felt kind of empty. It was, it was like a shell of something I should enjoy, but yeah. there's nothing inside that, of that's it. That's a good mm, way to put a it. A chocolate covered shell. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> felt dirtier to me. Like yeah, slimier because, because it's yeah, like the kid, I, aspect, the kid the aspect, the food with the nap, will, like just the edible like I will shit say with like nasty crap in it. I think he's the worst professional out of all. Oh, he's these. not good at his job. No, he's really bad. Well, he's Killed. passionate. Yeah, but it's a simple job. Serve the children ice cream. <laughs> yeah, he makes the ice cream like, himself. That's a good point. Do you know how hard it is to make peanut brickle? All right. Yeah. Look, look. What I'm saying <laughs> is tell you like, all about it. What I'm saying is being a plumber is hard. Like that's, okay. you know, being a doctor, obviously hard. Right. I don't know about a photo tech. He, that seems whatever. But he like. He's running a business. Oh, And he bullshit. is making it from I'm, scratch. I'll just say like, you just got to serve the kids ice cream and he's so incompetent yeah. at it. He's the worst professional. I do of feel all like these. there's a bare minimum of again, I'm going to come back to it. Don't touch the ice cream with your hands. <laughs> yeah. You sick bare <laughs> fucking minimum. Also a man who looks like he does not wash his hands after oh, right. his ass. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Scratching it before yeah. he scoops. <laughs> Scratch and scoop. So when you st- I'm glad you said that cuz when I was watching this, I'm like, "Oh my god, I hope somebody gets a pre packaged fudge sickle yes. and not a, a loose scoop right. <laughs> you know like oh, they're no, two very scoops. different things yes. so tuna gets one drops it in the sand and then eats it even though it's sandy <laughs> you cannot help that kid tuna I, I hate how they they <laughs> bully tuna they're so like hey fat ass like God. And, and tuna's not a fat kid he's and just wearing yeah, a no. lot of cushion under yeah, his yeah he shirt. has a Why? pillow under his every, shirt like that's every what scene it is. where they're biking they have to do a gag yeah that like, was oh tuna is back there because he's slow because he's fat <laughs> right like, oh. that was one of the best stranger danger gags was when uh Tuna gets abducted off of his bicycle Just on the moving grabbed. truck. That's you know he wasn't strong enough to grab yeah. Tuna with one <laughs> hand and yeah. drive. I think, honestly, like, this just had so much... It did have some pleasing, weird imagery for me. Like, I love roaches and ice cream mm. and, like, a garden Dirty. of plastic daisies in the dirt. <laughs> like, that's yeah. very good to me. So gross. But I, I do think Dr. Giggles had, like... The House of Mirrors scene and the waiting room scene are like transcendent for me. So it still like wins in that direction. But yeah, I don't know. These are the two that I think of when I think of this genre where you're like, I don't know, the lift, a killer elevator or the dentist, a killer dentist. Like these are like the two most straightforward, like novelty horrors where it's like, what if there were an evil blank? Like, but, I feel like, but with the ice cream, man, it's like there's so much to mine there. It felt lazy to me. And honestly. it doesn't really yeah. go yeah. as like, especially when you're dealing with kids. And It felt lazy in the way that a lot of kids movies are. Like, it just felt like, you know, kids don't fucking care. We'll just do whatever. Like, that was like the ethos it felt yeah. like they had on set. Yeah. We don't need to get an actual fat kid. Just put a fucking pillow in his shirt. Who cares? <laughs> <That was> so, <laughs> there's one scene where like. 
I guess his brother or somebody pushes him down. You can just see the pillow. <laughs> yeah, like, like the, uh, there's like a hard like rectangle up it's top. It's like, oh my, why? Like, yeah. why did you do? <laughs> what? Uh, I will say we we at least rounded it out with another mm. like artsy film. Like we started That's off true. with Peter Weir. Honestly, when you picked this, I was like, I felt sophisticated when I watched it um, in the <laughs> early 2000s. I was like, oh, I'm watching yeah. something artsy and smart. Yes. Um, it, it might be a little trashier than I remember. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So my pick was um, One Hour Photo, which uh, was written and directed by Mark um, Romanek, who he also directed Never Let Me Go, which is... Great film. Yeah. I love that film. I love the book that uh, the film is based on. And he is best known for his music videos. He's done, he's directed a lot of like fantastic music videos. Uh, he did Hurt by Johnny Cash, um, Closer by Nine Inch Nails, a bunch of Madonna videos, and also Criminal by Fiona Apple. And he's Ooh, won a bunch of awards nice. for his music videos. Um, so I picked this film because when I was a kid, I would take a lot of pictures on disposable cameras and I would always think about like the person that was looking at those <laughs> pictures and like the kind of access that I gave them into my life um, and it always like kind of, the idea of somebody looking at my pictures freaked me out and this movie very much delves into that um, it focuses on a guy who he's the photo technician at like a one-hour photo place in a mall. I think it's called Save Mart. Or, yeah. yeah. His name is Cy, and it's, he's played by Robin Williams, who's fantastic in this movie. He's extremely creepy. <laughs> and Cy is very lonely. He has a kind of barren white apartment. He doesn't seem to have any relationships. Uh, but there's this one family, a couple and their child, who have been coming into the mall to get their photos developed for years and the entirety of like their son's real um their son's life. And Sai is obsessed with his family and he always orders a second set of prints of their photos and then he takes it home with him and he like pastes them up on his wall. It's a murder wall. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's well, he's and Uncle he, Cy. Right. Cy, yeah. yeah. And he like likes to think of himself as they're like Uncle Sai, and he has these fantasies where he's a part of their household. He has their mm -hmm. pictures framed in his house, and he like he like goes to a diner and he's looking at their photos. Oh. And a waitress asks him like, "Oh, is this your family?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's that's my nephew." Like he's so lonely, and he is so kind of obsessed with this seemingly idyllic family situation, and he starts to kind of like encroach more and more into their family and like starts to try to kind of blur those lines between his profession and their family. And then he also finds out through his photo developing position that the husband is having an affair with another woman. So I, I really love photography. I think this film is shot beautifully mm -hmm. and in a way that really kind of like up it's extremely saturated but it also feels like very lonely there are all of these shots of the save mart and like you can see boxes of cereal and it's like bright blues and yellows but the walls are like very clinical so it's like this 
again, this idea of like an idyllic photo Mm -hmm. that is belying something like more sinister or like empty and sad. Yeah. Um, The photos themselves are also like extremely well composed. Like they have these great like beautiful shots of this family. A lot of Um, slideshows. Like you see a lot of rapid succession still photographs. Yeah. And I think it, it does a really good job of like thinking about like photos as kind of these stands against conflict and hardship, like these things we use to forget about moments that we don't want to remember, but then Mm -hmm. also how photos can be used as like evidence of a experience or a time that you want to forget and how it can kind of like freeze you in horrible experiences and that's kind of like explored more at the end anyway um so that's that's my summary of the movie (laughs) i love how you brought up like the like the sort of clinical look and feel throughout this with like you know his apartment and Mm -hmm. even like the space of that like save a lot place and even his like little you know, car, his little white clean yeah. car. Of course he would drive that car. Yes, <laughs> it makes so much sense. It, it, it's timeless in how it still made that film feel like super modern and clean today, mm-hmm. even yeah. though it's it was made years ago. I thought it felt very early 2000s, actually. Oh, I don't know why. Like it The was, whole, like, some developing... Some of the fluorescent lights and lighting well, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, like, developing photo. Like, I know people still do that, but yeah. this felt like kind of the cusp of you know, we're going all digital and everything's on Facebook yeah. or whatever. And he hates digital cameras. Hates it, hates <laughs> it. Don't know. put me out of a job. But this was like the last gasp of like actually going to a store yeah. and getting film developed. But I guess people still do that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I do. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Something about like the cold imagery. <laughs> they probably the, hate me. <laughs> the cold imagery of the like supermarket looking feel of like the, the place. and like mm-hmm. It reminded me of like you know, a clockwork orange. Yeah. Like that whole, you know, just everything is just white and clear and it feels, it just doesn't feel as dated as it should, if that makes sense mm-hmm. because of the way that like his car to me, like I'm like, Oh, like it feels like he's in this like new little smart car, but it's, you know, this old ass. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, like Ford Fiesta or something. When, like when he's like walking around, you know, the store he works at the Saber center or whatever. It's the same feeling I have when I walk in the grocery store and I look up and I realize, like, oh, I'm just in a warehouse. warehouse yeah. yeah. Just a warehouse. Yeah. It's like, and the bright, like, the lights coming yeah. from top. It feels so cold and consumerist. And he, he worked with um, Fincher's cinematographer on this, too. It felt oh, like it a felt like Fincher movie. It really yeah. felt yeah. like a Fincher. Uh, oh, that's interesting you brought that the up. Jeff Conanworth. Who yeah. I'm assuming worked with him on music videos because when you were listing off those videos, a few of those I was like, I thought Fincher did that one. Yeah. But like their style is like so similar that it yeah. doesn't really, even really matter. Yeah. I think maybe this one is a little more conventional than some Fincher movies around that time or like the other touchstone I was thinking of was Hanukkah, like something like Cachet or something like that. Like yeah. mm. the fact that like someone's like using these like digital technologies or. I guess in this case it's to be analog, but like watching you and like sending you videotapes and like images yeah. of your intimate moments. But I feel like it softens that stuff a little bit to where I, I saw this as a like festival indie movie at the time mm-hmm. and like rewatching it now. I'm like, there's all this over um, the soundtrack narration from Robin Williams. Yeah. Where he tells you how to think about photography right. or like 
where the movie eventually goes, where he's in the hotel room, like forcing people to pose for like sexual photographs felt like a little bit of a trashier thriller than I remembered. Yeah. I was just like, Oh yeah, this movie has these like very high um, artistic values in it's look and composition, but then it's also trying to sell that to like a mainstream audience. Yeah. And I just thought it was an interesting tension between those two things where like, I remembered it fondly and I remembered it being very like highbrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think my tastes were like super developed at the time. Yeah. I'm glad I saw it when I did, I guess. And I still think it's good. It's just like way more conventional than I expected yeah. it to be. But but in a way, like so it's a thriller, but it's so kind of low stakes. Like yeah. what ultimately happens, like no one gets murdered, no one gets hurt. I mean, he sexually violates two people. He does, yeah. and that's and that's bad. But it felt like lower stakes than a lot of thrillers. You know, yeah. usually it involves like someone's got to get murdered and the cover. And this was like, he'll probably be out of jail in a year or two. Right. Like it was a not a petty crime, but like on the grand scheme of cinematic crimes, like what he did, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. But like it just felt like so low stakes and more of like a psychological character study. Character study. And that's the strongest part of the film. It's like yeah, Robin Williams I agree. is fucking fantastic. Oh, his performance yeah. is so chilling. It's great. Yeah. Like he's, and that's the whole like gem of this movie. That, he's like on par, I think, with you know, the Dr. Giggles, the ice cream man, the plumber, even though he's not like he's not physically like, you know, cutting throats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he is like invading someone's personal life so intensely yeah without them knowing and like it felt it feels like cringeworthy to watch like every time he would like talk or how he would you know look at the deepak chopra yeah oh, right exactly like, Ooh, i'm gonna find like her when he yeah buys the son you know his favorite toy and shows up at his soccer game oh like, yes i have a co-worker like that who like oh, my oh i swear like <laughs> I'll go, I'll be at Hope work and then listening. he's like, "Did you enjoy that coffee?" I'm like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I saw you on Canal Street, like drinking your coffee before at work." Oh, it's like, leave me alone! Right. Oh my Stop god, observing he probably me. has a wall of you, and he like remembers things that like I said like six years ago. Oh, okay. like super specific details. Yeah, it's just like I know you're harmless, but like you are creeping me out in a way that you don't understand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Like, again, with kind of to go back to the plumber, like, oh, the nice one-hour photo guy. Hi. Yeah. Like, how you doing? But there's like this evil thing lurking underneath. He's the most vulnerable one. Yeah. Like, you feel bad for him even though you're creeped out by him. And I don't yeah. think you can say that about any of the other it villains. It me a lot of like incels, kind of like just <laughs> yeah. really sad, yeah. pathetic, lonely people. Yeah, and I think it's like there's something really tragic about being so alone and isolated that the it's like he has such a parasocial relationship with his family and that's really the only connection he has with anybody and it's completely one-sided and i i do think that like i didn't actually love the turn into the thriller i wish that it had resolved itself like somehow more within like his character had kind of like developed in a different way or like the ending had been about something some yeah. internal change in him and not so much the exploration of like kind of wanted to know more about like his life too like how he found that photo of a woman and was passing it off as his mother and it's like what happened to like your family dude well, 
Like, what's your story? They, I think that is the climax of the movie, though, is like his reveal. That Essentially, that he was abused. Of him. Yeah, yeah that that he was right. Yeah, you're right. Like, how, you know, how dare someone like make a child do these awful right. things? And yeah. So it was basically like revealing, like, yeah, he was abused as a child, which felt like. That like feels very of, neat and conventional in a way that I'm talking about. Right. Where it's yeah. Like, the movie, yeah. like, wraps up everything pretty, like, I kind of, I, I agree with Hannah that, like, there's a different ending. Mm-hmm. I don't know quite what it is. Yeah. It's uh-huh. more, like, harder to parse out, a little more complicated. That would be more interesting. But in a movie that's, like, entirely about his performance, like, he carries he it with ease. Killed. Yeah. Dude. It's he, so good. He is so good. And he's yeah. a great actor. Not just in this, but like in all his dramatic. And then you have the roles. high style music yeah. video director, like giving the holding a visual patina that's like memorable and crisp. It's probably one of his best movies, I think. Like I always thought wise. of it that way. Yeah. Um, I like the Fisher King a lot. <laughs> I always I, like him I, when he's I, vulnerable. I really, yeah. I really like him in um, was it Father of the Year? I haven't seen I that haven't one. That. that looks fucked up. It's really fucked up, but he's so good. Yeah. In that, so he's a great actor, man. Are there any performances <laughs> in here that are better than Robin Williams? I don't know. No. Definitely not Clint Howard. <laughs> Maybe Dr. Giggles. I mean, who else oh, could giggle like but that? But to go back to what I was saying before, though, I think he is the number one professional. Like, Yes, he's good and he knows passionate. how the machine is yeah. calibrated. He cares right. about the machines yeah. and the hues. You know, yeah. there's that scene where like, he gets in a shouting match because, like, it's yeah, the cyan by. is like point three. He cares shift, about yes. it. He develops good photos. Great, what number one professional on this list. I found so interesting is like how he lost his job for doing such minor shit to like a massive corporation. Where I'm like, wait, you're gonna fire somebody because you're missing a couple of hundred photo prints and. He gave away one camera. That's believable, though. Yeah, that's what corporations I feel are. Like Walmart does that shit all the time. It's all like, metrics it's crazy. and numbers. Yeah. There's a couple little like transgressions. That's, Amazon yeah, is like that. Like, like Amazon, really oh, sad gone. for him because I'm like, you know, he's like, I gave like 11 years of my life doing this. Yeah, I this. felt bad right. for him when he yeah. lost his job. Well, and the thing is that like he cares so deeply about it, but he works at a one hour photo place in a mall. Yeah, it's not like, like a corner store no, or something. Right. The manager is like, I don't give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> like ha- the cyan shift so it's like all of his passion and like yeah. the, the thing that's the most important to him is totally wasted in this place yep. because they actually don't they don't like care. it's more important that people have a good customer <sighs> service over quality right exactly. i don't think any of these professionals are unskilled he might right. be the most skilled yeah but i think all of them you know bring something to the table the skills yeah. <laughs> like, the I, skill would, set. I, mean, I would go to side to develop yeah, my photos. I know he would care about it. Do a yeah. good job. I yeah. would. I don't know if I would go to the plumber to no for my plumbing. I would. It just depends if he has it out for me or not. I <laughs> definitely true. wouldn't go to Doctor Giggles yeah, for no. shit. If I wanted, <laughs> he's not. Right. An he comes to doctor. you. He just appears. Right. You don't get to choose. <laughs> right. the ice, ice cream man is dirty. Off, he makes a house I ain't call. Fucking with Clint Howard is <laughs> yeah giving me ice cream. Nasty so. ice cream man hands. <laughs> if this yeah. movie came out in the nineties, it would have been called Side the Photo Guy instead of one yeah, hour photo yeah. right it would have been more ice cream man like there would have been more slide whistles yeah. and like uh, <laughs> viper slaps in the background i i like this genre i, I don't know that it's well defined but like you know it when yeah. you see it we're trying to define it right yeah. now yeah we're on the cusp of culture defining <laughs> these uncharted the professional subgenre that's, that's right there's just like 
a type of horror movie where I, I want to say like in fabric did that recently where it's like the evil dress movie. Yeah. You know, it's like something right, right. that's like just a everyday object or everyday profession or just yeah. something really like yeah. mundane that um, you can find something sinister in. Uh, maybe this is a step up from the evil object stuff where it's like there is a vulnerability in yeah. inviting these people into your lives in like an intimate way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the thing is it's like because it's not like a choice that you make exactly. Like you can always, you know, meet a friend and then they turn out to be like a homicidal maniac. But like w- with professions, you have to get your photos developed somewhere. So you have no control over who happens to be like working at the place where you do that. So it's like these forced social interactions where you are made mm-hmm. vulnerable. I'm trying to think if we missed any big ones on this list. The dentist is the only mm-hmm. one that like fucked well, me up mm. as a kid. Well, getting in your that mouth. That fucked me up. That one, yeah. and maybe that Cindy Sherman one about the office. Oh, the office killer. Killer. Yeah, of. she's like a killer secretary. Yeah. The the mm. dentist to me though is the the, the peak. Just one. because like I hate going to the dentist. Yeah. yeah. Right. And every pretty much everyone does. And man, that movie plays on. You're literally just watching him drill into people's oh. gums, and yeah, he, and it's like, fuck, man, yeah, that's my. And you have to fear. spend time with him, like at least in Doctor Giggles, like he's not really the main character; he's just like this evil force that keeps popping up. In the dentist, you were like spending the day with this guy, and, yeah. like living in his mental space, and it's horrible. And it, it's not playing into the like the funny aspects no. of it. It's like, yeah, so. Fuck that movie. I'm glad we didn't talk about it. I also floated the cable guy because I've never seen it, but the cable that's guy, like similar to the plumber, right? It's very close to the plumber. It is. Mm. But funnier. Yeah. But maybe it's not that wide of a genre. Like, I don't know. It, yeah. Maybe what other just... professions? I mean, to my dentist, plumber. A garbage man, a fire. A <laughs> there's only like man, six jobs you can yeah. have. <laughs> but there, it's a particular type of job a that's bus like driver. intrusive to your right. life. Right. Yeah, the, an evil mailman. Mailman. Oh, that'd yeah. be a good one. Yeah. Mm. Switching letters. Does and... Adam Driver kill anybody as an evil bus driver in Patterson, or does he just write poetry? No, he just writes he's poetry in... and has one right. beer a day. That's pretty Damn horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I did uh, see some of myself inside the photo guy, uh, mm-hmm. sitting alone, stone faced, watching The Simpsons yeah. in his apartment. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's yeah. me for real. Like, yeah. Or uh, struggling to pronounce Neon Genesis Evangelion in the uh, supermarket. <laughs> I was yeah. just like his apartment. I was like, dude, just put up a painting. I know, or like a poster. Like you gotta something. get a lamp. He has a murder wall. Turn get a, a lamp. Turn yeah. off the fluorescent lights and get oh, a lamp. Boy. He has an accent wall. Yeah, an I, accent an wall, accent. Yeah. I I truly felt for for him so much. I empathized with him a lot, but also I don't want him to develop my photos. Yeah, I would go somewhere else. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, next week on the show, we're talking about a genre that's maybe too well-defined, the the horror anthology. Uh, We're talking about The House That Dripped Blood, which is an amicus anthology film, one of the British ones. Uh, So you know exactly what that's going to be like, and it's going to be fun to talk about. Yes. And like I said at the top of this episode, we have a list of 31 recommended movies you can stream right now that are all Halloween appropriate. So click through in the show notes or check out swampflix.com. I, I feel like that's one of my bigger posts of the year. I don't expect anyone to read any of the reviews I write anymore. That's mo- more for me than for y'all. <laughs> but uh, a list of horror recommendations you can stream right now. I think that's pretty useful. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.